Good morning, good morning. 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Can only mean the My Committee Plan Foundation Hour. I'm your host, Reverend Mitchell L.E. Kenneth Johnson. And I'm your co-host, Adia Hayden. Adia Hayden, I ain't, I ain't happy right now. What's going on? Well, first of all, it's this is, what, National Women's Month? Yes. National Women's Month. We had International Day of the Woman on March 8th. And coming up on Tuesday, we have Equal Pay Day. And that's what bothers me. Equal yeah. Pay Day. Mm-hmm. So for our listening audience and those who are watching us on Facebook Live, would you be so kind, being the woman in the room, to explain <laughs> what Equal Pay Day is? Uh, Equal Pay Day is a unfortunately necessary holiday. Um, holiday, day of remembrance, um, I don't, you know, some terms like that to bring awareness to the fact that women still do not have pay equality for the doing the same work that men do. Wait, 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 wait. But I, I thought we had like Fannie Lou Hamer and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, with Obama, racism was dead. All that. <laughs> I believe that's with what Obama, they call racism was dead? anecdotal evidence. Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> so although we've had, you know, Oprah as a woman billionaire um, and Madam C.J. Walker as a Madam C.J. Walker, uh, millionaire. yes. Yes. Um, however, you know, those of us working our we nine to women fives, astronauts. <laughs> or not we even women just, attorneys and yeah, well, we, we, just, we, we just had a woman judge. Um, am I mansplaining? <laughs> yeah, so even though we've had great, successful, notable women across industry, um, There is not equal pay for doing the same work. For example, in Hollywood, actresses are by and large paid less than their male counterparts for both having starring roles. Um, We know that the U.S. women's national team in soccer outperforms the men's national soccer team in every way. Imaginable. You mean the women's soccer team wins, the men's soccer team loses. And gets paid four times more. Is that still going on? I thought there was a lawsuit that they mm-hmm. balanced that thing out. Why, the fact that we had to have a lawsuit in order to reach that is just insane. What's in that? fact, um, the pay disparity is not even equal among you know race and ethnicity. So there's another layer at play here so that women, yes, are making less. Um, and then minority women are making even less than that. So, you know, black so, women, Native American women, Latina women are not even making 70 cents to the dollar of what um, white women are making. So here's my question. And I just want to talk about white women for a second. If if we know we continue to have this gender disparity, we know that we not only have gender disparity when it comes to equal pay, but also agency, why do white women continue to support the Republican Party? Generally speaking, doesn't the Republican Party lead the charge against a woman having agency of her own body? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that some would argue it's not all Republicans, but, you know, I, I don't even have the a Supreme Court is heavy I on the conservative side and they overturned Roe v. Wade. And then the Republican Party made Roe v. Wade all about abortion. Mm-hmm. When Roe v. Wade really was about a woman's right to decide what to do with her body, much like men get to decide what to do with our bodies. All day, every day. And God forbid we tell men that they can't do a thing. <laughs> we have wars started over it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here we're going to celebrate women. And we're going to do all that we can to energize not just women, but men as well. Maybe we ought to say you, ain't, you can never be a real man unless you want women to be equal. Okay. I could see that taking hold. Because it's all about, you know, allies. That was a real weak applause. You see that? Well, man, no. (laughs) (laughs) With us, uh, I hope she's online, is attorney Lisa Duarte. Attorney Duarte uh, is a partner in the largest woman-owned law firm in the state of Illinois and one of the top five largest law firms ran by women in the nation. Attorney Lisa Duarte, welcome to the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure to have you. 
Thank you for giving up early on a Sunday morning. How about that? No problem. I'm an early riser, and um, this is just a kind of conversation that gets you going in the morning. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm already hot. I'm already hot about, about pay disparity. All right. What are you hot about? <laughs> what about pay disparity makes, makes you hot? That it exists, that it's still there, that we have to have a day to talk about it. Um, you know, the whole thing, all, all the women in the world and all the labor that we contribute just by the roles of being women, and then we still have to fight this uphill battle. And it's not an opinion. It's not um, how we feel about it. It's math and it's numbers, and it's right there. It seems like it should be pretty easy to fix, but here we are. Mm-hmm. I know um, for me growing up and learning about this in school, it was just unfathomable that people would sit and write out contracts for individuals when they're hiring them. And whether it was a unconscious bias or whatever factors were at play would just be OK with looking at the payroll and seeing that their women um, are for the same roles are not getting paid at the same level as men. Yeah, even the fact that some people, you know, believe that that's the right thing to do that you know, man's head of the household he should be the one to pay the bills or he's got he's got more responsibilities and you know it's just not the case and when you pay women you know you're feeding families you're feeding children they're taking care of the household that money is going to to provide for families just as well as it does if it goes to men it's not even more mm-hmm. and you know that's where we have to invest you invest in women and you know, we'll be getting the outcomes that everyone's everyone's trying to get, but not going about the right way. Not going about it the right way. You know, um, I want to stay on this topic, but I want to also fold it into uh, our uh, mayoral forum that you so graciously blessed us with your presence as one of the panelists. And um, Martin King made a comment about the United States being the greatest country on the planet, and that's just not true. It's just not true. And, and here's one of the reasons why. The United States is ranked 27th in the world with gender equality. That means there are 26 countries that have more gender equality than the United States of America. Mm-hmm. What is the problem? Men. No. And I'm going to say it's a man's world. But at least I can admit it will be nothing. Did I say nothing without a woman or a girl? Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I, this guy so I can't get no love with that one. You notice that? <laughs> I get no love. Timing. Listen, I'll tell you, Dorte, she just acted like that's a, that statement is not getting in the evidence, so I ain't nothing to say about it. <laughs> just going to go right by it. Well, I'm just so upset about, about pay disparity and about how we continue to you know, buy into this American, um, kind of like hyping up of America as number one. And it's great. You want everyone to have self-confidence, but we also have to have self-awareness mm-hmm. and understand by every metric we are failing. And and that's okay. The, the way to greatness is, is having self-awareness and realizing your strengths and your weaknesses and moving forward. And the problem is that people that don't want to confront the truth view it as you are trying to, you know, down, uh, kind of, put down or trash talk your own country but you know you would never do that in any other context you would never say i'm the best employee or i'm the best you know <laughs> athlete i'm the best whatever and then like not look at your stats you see you sound like someone that mean that thinks that numbers matter we are on wcpt where facts matter and you're listening to the my community Planet foundation hour we'll be right back after this short station break YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill open positions in their south suburban location. No experience required. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, 
Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Community Plan Foundation Hour. With us on the line, we have Attorney Lisa Duarte. Counselor, are you still there? Lisa Duarte, are you still with us? I'm here. I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> are you so upset? That. That you, had to, you had to, you had to, you had to center yourself. Is that, is that what happened? I hit the mute button. I was worried about about not being ready when you came back, and there I was, not ready when you came back. <laughs> Perfect. All good. Um, I got to say this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna back up in a second. The most gender equal nations are Iceland, Finland, Norway, New Zealand, and Sweden. Ain't no black people over there. Well, okay. There might no be no Latina some... fuck either. Yeah. No Latinos. Okay. None of us either. You said none of us either. It's cold. We gotta be warm. Is that is that how that works? I mean, it's gotta be one of the reasons. At the is current it? rate of progress, it's gonna take hundred and thirty two years to achieve gender parity. A hundred and thirty-two years. Now, this is not these are not my words, these are the words of the World Economic Forum mm. and their data. I, I think well, I've got to change. I, I think a couple of things. One, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just jumping all over Adia's thought process. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, you can stay on the topic. Stay on the topic. I, I think as we try to change this thing, and I want to talk a little more about your journey, Lisa. So I'm going to make this comment, and then I'm going to back up for a second. I, I, I think because we have this two-party system, two things. One, maybe we need a third party. Let's Let's toss that out there for a second. And then we need more women to understand the distinction between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. When you look at both parties, you see one party looks like America and all this greasy, grimy, multi uh, ethnicity, multi gender uh, perspective. It is a mess in the Democratic Party and they're horrible on messaging, but it is significantly more equitable than the Republican Party, which is great on messaging. You versus them, that tribe and my tribe and women, you do what the dad blame I tell you. And if you don't like it, we're going to go to the Supreme Court and they're going to tell you the same thing. Whatever we tell you to do, every, every pejorative legislative effort on behalf of state governments, particularly that take away women's rights, is a function of a state government run by Republicans. Now, the two of you are two very intelligent women. If I'm wrong, go ahead and tell me and I'll take my licking. Licking can't be not wrong. (laughs) You're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I, I love the conversation that you were having here when you were talking about why white women, you know, voted the way that they did and hopefully, you know, and have voted the way, you know, the impact they're having and supporting candidates and parties that are taking away our rights. Because it's not about, you know, abortion. It's not about, um, it's not about babies. It's about financial independence. It is about being able to will your life where you want it to be. And that is, that is like the heart and soul of the control that they are trying to have over us. And I think that, you know, white women, when women are not financially independent, white women, you know, period, and you're talking about a white woman, majority marrying white men, their financial independence is tied to white men. So they're voting for the policies that make those white men best positioned to be financially better off. And I, and I believe that so much that that might not be what they want to do for themselves, but maybe 
concern about what being pushed out into the world might be. But it compromises their daughters. It compromises their nieces. It compromises their granddaughters. That perspective is all about the right now, here and now. What about this whole notion of preparing the world you live in that your children may inherit something better? We all know that every household and every nation that values the education of its women is a more civilized society. Yeah, with better outcomes, right? better health outcomes, better life outcomes, more options. I mean, you know, the way that women and women of color are treated in our healthcare system, the ignoring of pain, ignoring of serious diagnoses. I mean, it, it, it's literally killing us. Um, but you've got we've, we've got to get together. Women have to realize where we are on the totem pole, how discriminated against we are, and you have to have the bravery and you have to stand up and say, this isn't it. And we're going to change the paradigm that we live in. We're going to change society as we have known it. And we're going to be all right. We're going to go out there. We're going to stick together. We're going to fight. My child is going to be maybe a little bit more on her own than I was. And that's okay. And she can do it and she can make it and she can thrive. And that is the confidence that we have to have and go out there and make those decisions to change the way that we grew up. Even if it's something that's unknown, it might be a little bit scary. I think the status quo is obviously scarier. I'm, I'm going to, um, Adi, if you don't mind, I, w- I want to go back to the uh, forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, Attorney Duarte, you were on the national panel, I think it was. Correct. Um, but you had some pretty local questions. And you and I spoke prior to your um, coming on the program, on to the forum, and even during the forum. And one of the questions that we did not get to because, uh, you know, people of color, we start late. <laughs> We're know. trying to do better. <laughs> <in that. laughs> I don't know. We kept the rice and beans down to a minimum. But the chicken wings were on deck. <laughs> but I saw the macaroni and cheese, and I darn near lost my top. Um <laughs> But one of the questions I have and I wanted you to address is the economic slash environmental racism that we see at play in the 10th Ward here in Chicago. And is is that a function of the 10th Ward being predominantly Hispanic? What? You know, what's going on in the 10th Ward is, is, is really difficult. And it's, it doesn't happen just in the 10th Ward. I mean, it's happened in some other wards. But what you see is the play out is different, you know. People want to move large manufacturing facilities into communities where, in the past, they believe that they were not going to stand up and fight for them. And I've just been so proud to see the outcomes of the people like, you know, situations like people in the Tund Ward where they are coming out swinging for, you know, environmental justice and their health. I mean, if you don't have, my father used to tell me, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. As long as you're healthy, you can go out, you can make a dollar. You lose everything, you're good, you can go out and work. And when you are not healthy and you're, you're, you know, not just you get sick, but you're raised in a community where, you know, the air quality is bad, those long-term impacts and your ability to, to be healthy and go out there and have a robust life and, and make a living with you for your family, it's awful. And, you know, sometimes you don't see what's going on. You can't catch, you don't realize what's happening until, you know, you're sick and it's too late. But these communities have been on top of it, and they're pushing really hard on having, you know, quality air in a clean community. So for, if, you, of them. If, if you don't mind, uh, could we very quickly and succinctly identify the manufacturing challenge in the 10th Ward, specifically a manufacturing plant in a predominantly white ward where that community says, uh, we, we're tired of your pollution. You're, you're impacting our quality of life. So you got to go. I don't know where you got to go. You know, when you're at a party late at night and they say, look, you ain't got to go home, but you got to leave here. This this white community told a manufacturing plant, you got to go somewhere else. You're no longer welcome here. And, and under the, I think it was under the current administration, if I'm not mistaken, they opened the door to this polluting plant to reestablish itself in the 10th Ward. And that's the fight you're referring to. Correct. Correct. Um, I believe it's, uh, it's uh, General Iron is the name of uh, the, the business that was there. And it was here uh, on the north side of Chicago um, in Lincoln Park. And, you know, they did the same thing. They put the quality monitors out there. You know, they pushed, they pushed. 
our children, our air quality, and, you know, General Iron said we're going to move, and instead of moving to an area uh, that's less, um, further away from maybe a residential community, they could move anywhere, they moved far away. The, the You know, Lincoln Park is pretty far from the 10th floor. Yes. They could have moved a little bit. Yeah, they could have moved any further. And if they had, you know, if they were going to go that far, they could have gone a little bit further to an area that was less populated, less impacted by their activities. Um, but they did it. And, and they, they, you know, they chose to battle it out there and, and disrespect that community. And, you know, thank God that they, they're fighting back for themselves. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Let's let's back up for a second and let's educate our listening and our viewing audience as to who is attorney Lisa Duarte. Among other things, you have, um, let's see, point of point of different strategies. And you're the founder of point of different strategies. Which strategies are the difference you're trying to make a point about? Yeah, you didn't didn't catch it, did you? Yeah, I didn't catch that. That was, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so, Point of Different Strategies is a is a government affairs firm, and we represent a diversity of clients, and we go into state and local government and help try and elevate specific issues that our clients are asking us to work with them on to to the attention of, you know, already very busy and um, overwhelmed legislators and policymakers. So let's say in, in the General Assembly, you know, there's 30, 40,000 bills filed each year. And a year in the General Assembly is only, you know, the end of January to, let's say, the end of May. It's tens of thousands of bills going. And I don't care how smart you are, how hard you work, how many hours a day you put in you can only read and be really aware of so many of them. And so what, what we do at Point of Different Strategies is we jump in and we say, hey, I, I'd like you to look at this one right here. Can I talk to you about this one right here, Senator State Rep? And try and, and get their attention and, and educate them to give you a better uh, likelihood of, of that piece of legislation passing or failing. Is there a focus of the organization in terms of like specific groups that you all are looking out for, or interests or topics? Um, you know, there's, it's, it's a little bit of, um, of who, who it is that hires you. So, um, what, not, I wouldn't say there's a focus on what we do do, but there's definitely a focus of what we don't do. And it's kind of, you know, like that gut feeling of, of what's, what's the right thing. You know, we don't, you know, we won't do anything. Um, you know, I've been approached for some pro gun groups, you know, won't do anything like that. You try and do overall, you know, good, um, good in the world. We've gotten approached a lot recently for people that are looking to hire us because of our diversity. So we definitely have a lot of um, a policy of, you know, you've got to show me what you've done in this space because we're not going to just jump on and be your diverse person so you can say that you're, you can look like you're doing good things if you haven't really been doing good things. Um, but we have, you know, a variety of clients. Yeah, you can't. It's, it's, it's interesting since, you know, that kind of the riots that broke out over the summer um, the protest, excuse me. Uh, everybody started saying, "Oh, we, we want to get a, a minority or a woman over here. Can, can we work with you?" But we have a, a, a test. We have some questions that we ask before we're willing to to make them pr- look like they're doing the right thing if they hadn't already been doing the right thing. That's interesting, actually. It's really great to hear because I'm um, currently in the consulting world, and so mm-hmm. the topic of client selection and who you work with comes up. Um, so it's great to hear that you all have some sort of policy or system in place um, to have a guiding post for who you work with. And it's not just, you know, who writes the biggest check, um, but it goes beyond that. I'm, I'm so pleased that you... Um did not want to talk about gastrointestinal what you do what you do do um, rather than what you don't do and we'll get back to who you do it with after this station break this is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour we'll be right back after this short stage break Are you looking for a new career? YWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill several roles in their south suburban location. No experience required. 
They're seeking to fill the following positions. Assembly operator, automation technician, molding operator, quality inspector, setup technician, forklift driver, cycle counter, material handler. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit Zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Hello, this is Karen Carruthers, my Community Plan Foundation Nutritionist, coming to you today on this awesome Sunday with a generational health tip. I'd like to talk about nuts, almonds, cashews, walnuts, hazelnuts, all those types of nuts. Those are nuts, and then you have peanuts, which are actually legumes. These various nuts are high in healthy fats, they are rich in protein, they have antioxidants such as polyphenols and flavonoids which help reduce oxygenation in the body and prevent certain cancers and some nuts are high in magnesium copper selenium and zinc so you want to make sure that you're eating raw nuts that are very healthy not roasted nor high in sodium make sure you're drinking plenty of water and getting plenty of rest karen carruthers my community plan foundation nutritionist to the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. I'm your not-quite-so-jokester, but I'm your host, Reverend Mitchell L. E. Kenna Johnson. And I'm your co-host, Adia Hayden. Your jokes aren't better than mine. I strongly disagree. Um, Attorney my- <laughs> Lisa Duarte is with us on the line, and she gets to be the barometer. My jokes get Counselor, laughs. are you with us still? Good morning. Of course, I'm right here. I-, I like that you had that mute button on off. But <laughs> <laughs> you're funny without the joke being told. Counsel, you get to be the barometer. I get to be the my lord. Oh. You get to be the author of the partnership you have with Croke Fairchild Duarte and Barris. Yes, that's right, Barris. You got all the, all the names right. Now, what is that? Um, is that a Coke brother uh, company? It's a it's a law firm. We are we're a law firm. We've got about eighty seven total employees, um, and we are we're women owned. We're the largest women owned law firm in the state, and we're the fifth largest in the country, which is wild because yeah, that's insane. I mean, we're big, but we're not that big. Mm-hmm. But um, I never thought I would be. Uh, I would be, I would own a law firm or, or that we would be women owned or that would be that large. It's uh, it's, it's kind of funny every time I say it, I almost don't believe it. So I, prior to coming on the air, when we were talking about you, the, the hair in your ears should have been doing somersaults. Um, I made a presumption that you're probably a, m- a member of multiple bar associations, but the question is, are you a member of any chamber of commerce, chambers of commerce? Um, I, um, uh, let's see, the firm is not a member of any chambers of commerce, commerce, but point of different strategies is a member of the Hispanic, um, chamber of commerce. Let's talk about that for a quick second. Why? You know, I, I, you know, came up, uh, in Chicago, you know, working at a, you know, in, in law, um, was at a Latino-owned, Latino-focused um, law firm and really came to know the, the Latino business community here in Chicago. And 
you know, I have just known of the IHCC. They have great forums. Um, Jaime de Paolo is the, is the executive director over there. And, um, you know, I, I believe in them. I think they're doing a good job. And, and, you know, they reach out to me. I'm so busy kind of seeking those opportunities out. Is it kind of the to front of mind? But, um, but they always invite me to their events. And I was like, I, you know, but it's the right thing to do. We got to give some representation here, you know, be engaged in the community. And so um, I jumped online and, and we're a C member. We go to all their breakfasts. They have really great programming and speaking. Um, and that's how, that's why we're there from just having come up with around that organization for so long. One of the things that, and I, I think Adia will, will speak to it herself, that we try to focus here is business. Mm-hmm. Business development, um, as well as businesses, just as you're saying, reaching back to the community and helping others. Because um, so often, like, we celebrate the first, the first, you know, woman-owned law firm, the first woman CPA and things like that, Um but it's also about creating more. And just as you're saying, like, you, you are large. Um, but we also know law firms are like 600, you know, on staff. Jones Day. Or like, you know, with 200 lawyers um, mm-hmm. before going into other things. So, yeah, it's about community engagement and, you know, teaching someone else and giving them the exposure to the field. Um, because we often also see that we don't know what kinds of jobs we want growing up because you don't know certain jobs exist. Um, and so that community development is certainly important to us here. One of the things we do, Counselor, is a program called The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Rocks the Vote. And mm-hmm. we we generally have, uh, we've had everyone from Congresswoman Robin Kelly, certainly some appellate court justices, um, state uh, trial judges. We've had Carmen Trish. Um, we've had Melissa Irving, the city treasurer, um, but but and we've we have had some Latino attorneys who are now um, judges. We have we have had that, but we're going to have to roll you into that mix because we firmly believe that the hand that rocks the cradle rocks the vote. Absolutely, and I love the idea that you said you, if you can't see it, you don't know that you can do it. I'm a firm believer in not being able to see it. You can't see it, you can't see it. And, you know, one of my passions is about getting um, minorities and particularly Latinos, because I feel like it's really an acute issue in the Latino community where, you know, it's okay to want to be about business. It's okay to want to go out and and make money. And, you know, I I face a lot of headwinds coming up because I didn't want to do you know, health and human services or education. And then when I wanted to be a lawyer, I didn't want to do immigration. And we have to be able to sit at every seat at the table. Your community has to be able to function in all roles and all positions to be best suited for for progress and change and, and to get you where you want to be. And there is a cultural piece of the Latino community that is it's kind of like this be humble you know, just be happy with what you have, um, kind of like anti, um, anti-business anti and anti-money. And it's so weird because we're so many of us are business owners. You know, the largest portion of, of small business growth in America right now is Latinas, Latina small business owners. And so, you know, you have to, you really have to be out there and, then, and you have to, you know, it's not good enough that I got to law school or that I practiced and I had a good career or that I, you know, made it to this firm. You know, my obligation continues to be to make sure that there's at least one, you know, Puerto Rican Colombian girl from Logan Square today that goes out there. <laughs> Puerto and Rican sees. Colombian. Okay. <laughs> that's, me. that's me. That's me. There's one little Lisa out there who can grow up and actually know and see another Latina lawyer mm-hmm. and know that she can see it. I mean, you know, I didn't have any Latina lawyer role models. I mean, I didn't even know a lawyer when, when I was talking about going to law school as a young kid. I actually um, wanted to talk a little bit about that. Who helped, you know, the original little Lisa in your journey um, and how you came up? What made you want to be an attorney, um, be a lawyer? And be a founder of a government services organization. I have another name for it, but since you may not mentioned it, neither will I. But continue. um so okay so why i wanted to be so i grew up in logan square and this is not like today's logan square this is like the 80s logan square 
where it was. I'm not from Chicago. What is or what was the 80s Logan Square? Was it a hip um, hop? The hippity hippity hip? Wasn't wasn't hip? That wasn't it. Yes. Yeah. No. It was. There was. It was. It was um, a community of working families that, uh, like many beautiful communities full of wonderful people here in Chicago, also had a lot of crime and a gang activity. I don't say crime, I think like gang activity. Because and, the two aren't necessarily synonymous. And crime yeah, is subjective. It wasn't, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, it, it is a, there's a difference there, and I'm glad that you noticed it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of gang activity. Um, going on and, uh, you know, a, a much lower median income than you probably see today. Uh, Logan Square has changed a lot. It kind of breaks my heart because I feel like I can't go back home um, because the community has changed so much. But that's a, that's a gentrification about today's topic. So I grew up there and um, I went to school in Lincoln Park in a, in a magnet school that I tested into and just lived this very bifurcated life where, you know, in the daytime I was going, This is not cable. No. <laughs> <laughs> like people are like, Mom, get out of my room and I'm like, Oh my God, somebody is gonna be murdered today. Right. Yeah, yeah. Has <laughs> <laughs> cultural differences. Yeah, cultural cultural differences. Um and and then, you know, I did that, you know, five days a week during the day and then five days a week in the evening and on the weekends, um, I, I lived in my neighborhood and I saw, it was like, kind of like eighth grade. I'm going to age myself here. I remember like Jurassic Park came out and like we all went to the movies for the first time, kind of like a group friend trip with no parents. And I could see the difference in the way that, that, you know, the movie theater people would treat the kids that I went to school with versus the difference between way people at a store would treat the people that were in my neighborhood. And I just like felt like it was so wrong because the values that my family were instilling in me were much more evident in the people in my community rather than the people that I went to school with. The cultural differences were there. You know, nobody I would just grow up with was, you know, cussing their mom out. No one I grew up with. <laughs> That is still alive today or cursing out their parents. Because I don't know about your household, but in my household, my mother and my aunties could make a, a hairbrush, turn the corner, go into a crowd of children and hit the one they were aiming at. I've seen it happen. I have no idea how they did it, but we all know. I mean, back then it wasn't abuse. Today, you could call 911 kids and the police come in and grab your mama out the house. Then... I couldn't even breathe deeply. I could just be like, <laughs> breathe it too loud. Breathe it too loud. I heard that. I couldn't even breathe loud. I mean, they just can hear anything. So, are you a civil rights attorney? What? Uh, how? What do you practice? Yes. No, I'm definitely not a civil rights attorney. Um, but I just, I just saw the the difference, and it wasn't necessarily, you know. Uh, police brutality, like they were beating people up or anything, but it was just the ways in which they interacted. And it really got to me and I felt like it wasn't fair. And I'd always been told, pursue your education, get a title, have a profession. You know, when someone says, what do you do? You say you're, you know, you have a title, you're on a this. And I kind of identified law as the equalizer for that. And so from, you know, really young age, I just said I wanted to be a lawyer and, and, you know, because it's kind of like the fuel in my fire, the fuel to my fire. And I focused on that. And eventually, after many years of struggle, um, I, I made it. And I, I, I'm a, I became a lawyer. And it was, very, it was a very cathartic moment in my life for, you know, all the struggles that I had growing up. Having achieved that goal was very... Um, well, I'm, I'm going to suggest that the, the community you serve is a better place because you achieved that particular goal. When we come back, it's going to be what we call the action segment. So get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready for the action segment. This is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour, and we'll be right back after this short station break with action attorney Lisa Durante.
IWCA Metropolitan Chicago has partnered with a global manufacturing company seeking to fill open positions in their south suburban location. No experience required. If interested, contact 773-902-8989. Email cvcf at ywcachicago.org. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. To the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. This is the Action Hour, and we're a prayer for that hour. Action segment. I don't think we have another hour, but thank God we don't, because you know, Attorney Duarte, you know, she lets some things slip every now and again, and we're hoping that uh, we don't have any of that kind of language that we have to keep trying to cut it out. We're all human. Are we human? Yes. She is superhuman. That's what Sean says. You know my good friend Sean Tenner. Oh, I do. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He um he saw you coming on the program and he said she's super. I said okay. maybe even woke up before uh, seven a.m. today. I would not be surprised if he's listening and or watching. One one of the two. Unfortunately for Sean, she's not on camera, but she'll be on camera later on today. In any event, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. Um. You also, during the mayoral forum, and by the way, thank you again for participating. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I got to you through Patty, who is right here on WCPT. Um, and so I want to thank her first again, and then thank you for joining us on this past great. Thursday. We, we had another conversation about the challenge with uh, black and brown communities here in Chicago. And both of us hearkened back, even though I wasn't in Chicago during the Harold Washington days, I know his administration, his coalition was black and brown people, which is why quite a few of them found themselves running city agencies under the Harold Washington administration. But now we seem to have this fissure. We do. We do. And it's so, it's so disheartening because what, what I, what I personally see and I feel it is, is anytime that there is a community that people are trying to keep down, there is this um, concept that either the community can kind of maybe be concerned of on their own or it could be being pushed, this concept by the people that are trying to keep you down, people in power of, of limited and finite resources. And you see this a lot in another space, and, and that space is women. Like pitting women against women, women thinking that, you know, there's not enough space for everybody. You know, you, you've got to be the only one, kind of like this, this negative competitive nature. And I see that sometimes happen in our shared communities of this idea that, well, there can only be one and it's going to be a black person or a brown person. You know, oh, the Latino gets the spot and the black person's not get the spot. And the way we have to think about it is, no, we want two spots. We want four spots. Go ahead. Let's Go ahead. Together. Say that one more that time. Give me your closing argument. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this idea that, well, oh, there's only one spot, and it's, gotta, it's either going to go to black or a Latino, and it's got to go, so it's got to be a Latino or it's got to be a black. No, we want two spots. We're standing here together. We're both We want two spots. We want four spots. We want six spots. I've got a cousin. You've got a friend. i got a brother. We'll fill them all. And, and it's this concept that there's not enough space for us all. And there is, if we all push together in the same direction, there's plenty of space. I, I think that's part of the logic of the um, know your value. And, uh, for the, that's the women's conference that was going on of all places in Abu Dhabi. 
That's, mm-hmm. a, that's an interesting place to have a women's conference. There's something wrong with that. Oh, uh, no, I wouldn't say there's something wrong with that. They can host the conference. Cause it's, but well, you can't drive a car. Well, look at the organizers. Because if it was organized by women and they'd want to talk about their plight and talk about the issues and things like that, then that's a very valid place to have a conference. Because if you we're saying they can't drive a car, yeah, they need to organize and talk about it, figure it out. But if it's organized by men as a way of like propaganda or something to act like, you know, hey, we do care. That's a very different thing. So I, I'm not going to just condemn the existence of the conference off the bat. I'm, I'm not asking Lisa any question on that one. No, I think that's right. Yeah, I love that perspective. That's why I wasn't going to ask you. I knew you were going to say that. That's what they call haters. You know what? But I got I got her back, so I'm going to speak up anyways. Oh. Is it, is I'm going to practice what I just preached right now. Yeah, look at that. Black and brown standing together. Did she just say together? You sound like Jennifer Lopez. Together. <laughs> what was going on in the world today? This is, this is I'm, I'm mocking my friend Lisa Lodge, who says we together. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Shout out to Lisa Lodge if she's watching. Um, so one of the things that you and I agree to is, um, first of all, um, I want to thank you for your approach to the forum your questions at the forum. Um, and then we, we had that kind of vulnerable conversation about black and brown communities. And unfortunately, we're just not having enough of that conversation. We're, we're, we're isolated. And so long as we stay in our own silos, we will never get um, an equity-driven government. We will never get uh, a communities in a series of communities where, as you so appropriately put it, there is enough for everyone. And my having it doesn't take away from your getting it, so you're right. From this point forward, we've got to be advocating for a minimum, not only our own seat at the table, but I got to get one for my cousins who are a little lighter than me. And that's going to be hard to do because, you know, I'm kind of light-skinned. <laughs> no, that, that's exactly the approach. I mean, and, and we see it, you know, when you go through the door, you don't close it behind you, right? You, you reach back and you pull somebody else through it. It's, 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 we, we believe in those, those broad concepts, but we just really need to practice it. And I understand, you know, when you feel like, like resources are scarce and, you know, you've got to get it or else you're not, you're not going to have it. And it, you just can't let that. That's the same thing when we're talking about women and being brave. You have to be brave and know that you just keep pushing harder and keep pushing harder, and there's more, and, and you can't have that. You can't be the crabs in the bucket just pulling Look you Look at you, down. talking about crabs in a bucket. Do this for me, if you don't mind. Uh, for our listening and viewing audience who are in the city of Chicago, and if you have not voted, but prayerfully you will vote in about, what, three weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, so voting starts on March 20th. Um, there's the super sites downtown. There's early voting in the neighborhoods and super sites in the neighborhoods. Choose the first year of the Board of Elections has really stood up that all that infrastructure. You can also request your ballot by mail, um, and it will go on until uh, Tuesday, uh, which is Election Day, and I believe it's the 4th of April. That's correct. And it is until um, 7 p.m., so the polls close. So I don't want to ask you who you're voting for, but I want to know what's important to you. Well, it's important. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna your line. I'll back it up a minute, a minute. A minute. But really, everybody, remember, you got to vote twice, right? You got to vote twice. You don't want any voter confusion. So even if you voted for a mayor candidate, mayoral candidate, or alderman already, got to go back. What I'm hoping for. I'm glad you cleaned that up because it sounded like a Republican <laughs> stick. You got to Chicago now. You got to vote twice. No, what you're saying is you've already voted in the general. Now you must vote again. Correct, correct. And I know people are tired, and we just did, we just voted for governor, and before that we had a primary, too. And I promise it's the last time for a little while, at least. Um, but, yes, you have to go out, go out and vote one more time. And so what's important for me is somebody that is going to represent the entire city of Chicago and is going to work with the entire city of Chicago. You know, we have, um, like, many great American cities, and, and not even American cities, many great cities across the world have gone through this COVID cloud and, and you need to get back to business. This is the city of broad shoulders. It's who we are. We get stuff done. We need to be employing our people, educating our children, making our city better, opening up our doors to visitors, 
you know, sharing with everyone what we have here. You know, being that that incubator for innovation and food and tech and 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 just doing all the things that Chicagoans get up every day and do. We we have to get back to that. I got a question for you. I got sixty more seconds. Here's my question. You know, Cook County Board President Tony Prickwinkle began uh, two terms ago what she calls an equity driven governance, which is to say she intentionally invested in communities that were redlined, marginalized, underinvested, and they just happen to be back in black and brown. What we've learned after that term of that initiative is it lifted the economic health of the entire county. County. Is it possible we can get any one of the mayoral candidates, both of them, to see an equity-driven government is what you need to do? Which is to say, there are black and brown communities and some white communities that were underinvested, that were marginalized, and that were left out. They need to be the focus of any budget. Can I can I get an amen in Puerto Rico? Claro, claro, claro. No, um, absolutely. They have to do it. We can because we'll hold them accountable for it. You know, that's. I think that that is, uh, you know, up to up to us and up to to the voters. And once they get in there, it's not over. You know, it is in civic engagement. It is, you know, continuing to to push and highlight on those things. And you know, that's the way that we're all going to grow. And that it, it, it has to be that way. Those are the words of attorney Lisa Duarte. She is an attorney. She is a government affairs professional. I, I think and I, I will solemnly believe that it is our pleasure to have you not only on the program, but also at the forum. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, you can hear her again because we're going to have her back on the program. She don't know it yet, but we're going to make her part of the family. We're going we're gonna to have to adopt her as soon, as soon as I can speak Spanish. But tu hablas español. Sí, yo hablo un poquito de español. Yeah, like, practice. That's all you got to do is practice. Yes. Kind of like my golf game. It will get better. Hey, listen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> want to um, go ahead and celebrate the life of Nettie Adams Scurlock. Uh, she went from labor to reward on March the 2nd. Uh, now, I got to tell you, I know Miss Scurlock because her daughter, Corey Scurlock, is just a uh, part of my family and has been since, since the, I, I want to say since my youngest daughter has been alive. Corey has been an integral part of our family. And I, it, it is my honor to celebrate the life of Nettie Adams Scurlock. One of the things that she did was spend 26 years at um, Department of Housing, the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development, as a housing counselor, advisor, and check this out, civil rights investigator. Not only uh, does she have a storied career in housing, you'll be surprised to know, maybe you won't, that she got both her undergrad and master's degrees in urban planning from Roosevelt University. Um, in fact, it was because of her education and her commitment to civil rights and the betterment of the housing standards of folk, not just in Chicago, but around the country, um, that she deserves the celebration of her life. While we certainly mourn her passing, we celebrate her life's work, and that's the work of Nettie. Adams Scurlock. She deserves it. She deserves it. She deserves it. And God bless you and the work that will always continue. You may be gone, but you will never be forgotten. This is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. I'm your host, Reverend Mitchell L. E. Kenna Johnson. And I'm your co-host, Adia Hayden, wishing you all a super fantastic week and great Women's Month.